Well, my, 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 I can't believe it. After nine straight losses to the AL, the NL gets a win in the All-Star game last night. A three to two, I don't want to say snoozer. Can you say snoozer for the All-Star game, Rowdy? I would say the last few innings were definitely more exciting than the first six. It got a little tense in the ninth there, I guess. Um, but, yeah, the first six were just like, okay, as much. Hey, you want money on it, though, yeah, on the razor's I mean, edge. If, if you're looking, uh, you know, if you're speaking on your wallet and yeah. you're, you bet with the razor's edge, um, well, we gave out the first five under, which cash, and then we said because some – some books might not offer the first five under just strictly the sides and totals for an all-star game. Secondary would probably just be the under in general. Yeah. Uh, both of them hit. So I guess that makes up for our near miss in the home run derby where you probably should have hedged anyways. Yeah, and Diaz, he gets the MVP. He came off uh, the bench. And he's the first player to do so. I think I was reading correctly. And uh, at 32 years young... Uh, he, let's see here, a massive homer to break the streak earns Diaz an all-star game at Ted Williams MVP honor, uh, becoming the first Rockies player to take home said honor. And I just want this also duly noted out there. Um, well done for all of you WOZN fans. Uh, Luis Arias had the same amount of hits as Orlando Arcia in all-star games. <laughs> that would be rowdy zero settle for our Spanish speaking friends out there. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Kinger is on. You'll have to save that for when Grant Bills comes in. Yes. They both have the, the same hour. amount of hits in an all-star game. That would be zero. Again. Luis Arias has zero. never been invited. No, he is not. Um, but maybe, maybe we'll, uh, uh, I don't know, he'll spark himself back from the minors up to the majors and next year get it going. And also for the first time since 2012, again, I'll reiterate this, the NL has won the All-Star game, and who got the save of all people? Two on, two out, and a 2-2 pitch from Ramirez. Kimbrel with the save, Rowdy, in the All-Star game. Yeah, so... It's funny that you bring up, oh, the NL finally won. Because obviously these are the best of the best from both leagues, right? Yeah. It feels like, because I know if you go back far enough, there was a time where the NL won Just like dominated. three. Well, they won like three or four straight. And I think overall it's close to like a 50-50 proposition. I think one side's won like 47 games yeah. and the other's won like 44. It's something pretty close. But it feels like when the public gets out there and they've heard, oh, the AL's won so many games in a row, it's like, gotta bet the AL, gotta go with the AL. Even though it's... It's just like flipping a quarter. It's, the AL just happened to come up a bunch of times in a row. Yeah, it's, it was three to two. The game wasn't even anything until and you know, all later. The on. games are pretty much lower scoring. Yeah, for I, the most part, it's some of these players don't want to overly exert themselves. Diaz was like very emotional after getting MVP at the end, probably because he got a little more money too. But so, so I have actually, it's kind of funny. So on Monday, our guy Dave Essler and I did a all-star break podcast, right? Where right. we talked about the Derby. We talked about uh, the all-star game. And then we talked about a uh, two, three futures for like divisions or playoffs uh, for MLB teams. Uh -huh. Well, we gave out pretty decent content when it came to the Derby. And then the all-star game, we kind of were like, yeah, you know, if you're looking at it, you probably should take the team with the plus money because in theory, they should be both pretty even. Like you can talk about looking and seeing who's got the most replacements where it might be an A minus player versus an A plus player and little small things like that. But overall, you know, maybe look to whoever's catching the plus money for a side. Yeah. And then if you're looking at the total, it's went under a ton because they pretty much always set it at seven and a half and then they'll have it close seven when everyone bets the under and and then if you're looking at it, probably bet the first five under because that's when all the best pitchers are pitching and and uh you know it's a slower game. Yeah. So normally, you know, we get all of our information out there and and we you know, we'll retweet it the day of, and then we'll all, you know, retweet it the next day yeah. when all the information is good. So I had text Dave uh, yesterday afternoon saying, hey, do you want to retweet that podcast? Especially because we tied our very best first day for, like, all of our podcasts since April. And he goes, ah, I don't think we have very, very good content for the All-Star game. Well, David. Then, he, then he retweeted it, like, hours after it started because it ended up, not only did the first five under hit, 
the under for the game hit. And if you would have followed the podcast the first day, the NL was slight dogs. Yeah. And by close, the AL yeah. was slight dogs. So so 50% of the people would have bet, the do- a.k.a. the dog, uh-huh. which means half of them would have got the, the side right. Yeah. But the best part was Dave's flyer was Julio Rodriguez to win the MVP. No, he didn't win MVP, no. but he came up with two outs in the ninth, a guy on first base, and the opportunity to hit a walk-off home run in Seattle, his home park. Yeah. That would have been the MVP hands down if he would have. Now he walked, and then the next guy obviously got out. But it was like I was sitting there going, dang, we got this one, we got this one, we split this. Oh my God! If Rodriguez goes yard, we, this was almost this was almost phenomenal information on everything. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I think it was like twenty minutes after the fifth inning had cashed. Then he retweeted pretty solid info, and I'm Dang, like, unbelievable. He did the uh, he did the the, the Captain Hindsight yeah, retweet unbelievable. Right there. The Captain Hindsight retweet from our guy Dave Esler. And looking back on Hindsight for the All-Star game, well done on the uh, the winner's take, by the way, and the razor's edge. But uh, looking back on Hindsight, I think Hindsight is good, Rowdy. Didn't have to see, obviously, Devin Williams didn't pitch. He was there in attendance. But Corbin Burns just watched from you know the dugout. See, I, I wouldn't have been against Corbin Burns getting one inning of work, especially it's it's not like Corbin Burns pitched on Sunday. So it's not like this would really throw him out of his routine or anything like that. He was right. He would have been like kind of right in the middle of his just normal all-star break where it wouldn't have really have affected, you know, yeah. one inning where he came in and threw 20 pitches wasn't going to be a whole lot than something, you know, like a bullpen workout or whatever he would have done over the week anyways. So that would have been fine, but I guess bonus that you, they didn't have to use. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And Devin Williams, obviously with how much he had worked the he last just, couple of weeks, he was just there watching, chilling the last couple of days. That was a thumbs up. Once his we heard cleats were cool. Did you see his cleats? Yeah. I think people were saying he won the, the cleat, the best cleats for the All Star yeah. game. He had the Seattle Supersonics old logo uh, on his cleats. They were Supersonic themed cleats. They were pretty, pretty badass and cool. But yeah, a lot of people on Twitter are saying like Devin Williams wins uh, coolest cleats at the All Star festivities. It looked like a good time for everyone. Um, I don't know. It'd be cool to go. You know, I've been to Seattle, checked it out. It was. You know, it was a fun city, and when you got millions of dollars in your wallet and you're an all-star and doing the festivities, I bet you it's even more fun. Uh, it was typical, right, in the pregames when they were announcing players and they are doing, like, their little, you know, interviews with, I think, Julio Rodriguez obviously had to be interviewed as he was the home one of the hometown yeah. guys. Of course, they have Nirvana playing in the background. You gotta, you gotta. Like, of course, if you're in Seattle, it's got to be grunge. And if it's going to be grunge, it's probably going to be Nirvana. Can you name the other Seattle grunge bands, Rowdy? Stone Temple Pilots. Um, God. Oh, my. I, I should. There's four of them, correct? You can do this. I believe in you. No, I should know it. Um, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana. Oh, I got STP is from. Um, I don't think they're from Seattle. Eh, what? They're probably from Washington or Portland. Uh, no, they're San- I think they're San Diego. Eh, a little south. Yeah, they are <laughs> San Diego. All right, you can get these, though. I, Nirvana's the biggest one, obviously. No, it's all the grunge, and I'm totally blanking. ST- STP is San Diego. You have, it's not Cooper. Oh. And Alice in Chains. There's one. Yeah. yeah. There's I, another one. Chris Cornell was yeah, the front I man. Can, oh, my God. See, I can't even remember what it. I could sing their songs. Soundgarden. Sound yeah. I, I knew those. I couldn't. I had Soundgarden on the, the tip of my tongue. It's six ten in the morning. So. Obviously, you know I know Alice in Chains because uh, there was a pretty funny uh, confusion. Yeah, with the music trivia. <laughs> with with, with the, Alice in Chains versus <laughs> Alice Cooper. There's another one. There's a big one, too. The the singer, he's a iconic singer. You can't understand what the hell he's singing about half the time. Pearl Jam. boy, Rowdy. Why did I think that they were from more Chicago? Or maybe that's just Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder is a, um, a Chicago Bears fan. Man, I'm actually very disappointed that I could not come up with Soundgarden well, had or the big, Allison Chains. You had the big four. And Stone Temple Pilots, I mean, they get kind of, they are they, they get smashed in there. They they were a little after, um, not a little, like a year or so after the big four. But you were right. The four core Seattle grunge bands, Nirvana, Allison Chains, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam. Uh, I'll give you, a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Screaming Trees or Mud Honey or Mother Love Bone. 
Yeah, that's a little. That's those are like, a little. Those are like triple A yeah. grunge bands. <laughs> I'm not for that mid. <laughs> that's like the triple A grunge bands. The uh, the pro teams, Nirvana. I can else, get Jason down Sunder, with some grunge and some alternative type stuff. So I do actually listen to those places. That's why I'm kind of uh, upset that I could not. Yeah, it was like you I had could, it. Though that was the thing. It was like when you're like. If you heard a song, you'd hear Dude, it. You know it. I was thinking Chris Cornell. I couldn't even think of what the band name was. It's, the King says on Twitch, don't worry, Nelly. You will redeem yourself when Scott calls in for music trivia. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> not true. <laughs> but yeah, of course, it's Nirvana playing for. Uh, oh, and it was in I the mean, back, Nirvana, it was multiple you think songs, too. When you think Seattle, you think Nirvana. Um, that's just, I mean, it just goes hand in hand. Oh, no. All star festivities, what do you think? Um, despite nothing going on besides NBA Summer League, Entertain, entertaining enough? It's not, it was, it's not wowing me. It but. was it was good enough. Yeah. It was, for the most part, I bet for most people, it was probably background noise. Yeah. Like you were probably doing something else, but you had it on in the background. It was, you know, what's your, this is the same conversation we have every year around this time. Like, what's your favorite all-star festivities? I, the worst has got to be the NFL. Um, oh, yeah. Like I did watch 40, NBA is more, I watched forty five uh, minutes of the NFL Pro Bowl and it was big huge muscular dudes trying to hit it as far as they could in a longest drive contest. Yeah. It was dodgeball and then maybe five minutes of the actual essentially flag football <laughs> game that Brutal. they played. So actually, I believe it was on the Bill Michaels show yesterday. Grant Bills was talking about like all-star games and yeah. all-star festivities and he brought up the NBA. Now, I find the NBA three-point shooting contest that's exciting. And the uh what is it? Like the obstacle course? Yeah. That is more exciting to me than the dunk contest. Dunk contest is so played. When's Gr- the last time it was fun? Grant was saying that he thought the dunk contest was still more popular. And I'm like, I, I don't. I think the last time I actually remember watching so the dunk played. contest was Blake Griffin jumped Same. over Kia, Same. and I think there was another one where. And let's be honest with ourselves. Him jumping over the Kia, he jumped over like a a sliver of the hood. And I think the other one that I remember just off the top of my head for ones that I clearly remember watching was Dwight Howard putting on a Superman cape and dunking it at like 12 feet. <laughs> yeah. And that might have been what before. He put the, his sticker of his face up there yeah, on the that, backboard? That, that was probably right around the same time as the Blake Griffin one. Yeah. Maybe even before. I think, uh, yeah, I, I might have been before. And that would have been like 24. 14, maybe 15. I think I remember watching like Aaron Gordon win it not too long ago. And when I saw him win it, I'm like, this is really bad. Like this stinks. Like I would have to say I'm not see, obviously I'm not a big NHL guy. I know they have like the hardest slap shot and they have like, you know, speed skating skills stuff. I would, since I'm not a hockey guy, so I don't really watch it. I would say for the ones that I watch NBA, NFL, MLB, MLBs are the most entertaining. Yeah, MLB is number one. I love seeing the little kids get hit in the head too with balls out in the field. Like, I don't, did you see it when Vlad hit a home run? Yeah, I think or not uh, a home run. A couple of them got uh, some kid got smoked. smoked in the face. It was hilarious. I uh, love seeing kids get hurt. You know what? I, I love around this time of the year where obviously it's Major League Baseball All Star Weekend, but you also kind of have like the Japan league that surfaces with their bunt contest and you know what I think would actually be pretty cool I actually really used to like watching these Aaron Rodgers took part of it they used to have like all these college skills yeah like before the draft like when all of them would be getting ready to take their like pictures Uh or whatever they would have like the college. I remember it was like Rashad Mendenhall did like the obstacle course. And one of the guys from army that wasn't eligible, even though he was a safety that was good enough to play in the NFL, but yeah. obviously had to do his service time. He showed how to do the obstacle in his boots and fatigues <laughs> and still got second place for a time. Man, this stuff is cool. Like that that stuff is actually because it's like, man, these guys are fast. They're doing like all of these agility drills and, and different speed. Like that's entertaining. Yeah. The actual games like it's, the Pro Bowl or whatever. Pro Bowl is so boring. Pro Bowl by far is the worst. And then they try to they try to throw in like dodgeball. It's like that was cool for one year. Now it's like it isn't really cool anymore. No. 
No, it's not good. Like, I was more entertained by watching The Longest Drive, where they had the same driver for, like, eight different dudes all try and hit it as far as they can. Yeah. Because it was kind of funny that you had some of these big muscle-bound dudes that don't have a ton of rotation in their shoulders, and some of them weren't hitting it more than 200 yards, but then you had the guys that clearly golfed that were hitting it like 330. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it was entertaining because you hadn't seen it before, and it's something that, you know, you when you go out with buddies on a golf course, you say, oh, who can you hit know, it the farthest? Speaking of golf and whatnot, I think so. I mean, I consider this quote-unquote an all-star. Remember, like, the match, Aaron? Aaron Rodgers, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and uh, who else was the, the fourth guy in there? Like, top, like I liked when Rodgers or Brady would team up with a golf pro and go out there and play. Was it Rodgers and Phil Mickelson, Rowdy, or was it Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau? I think it was DeChambeau. Yeah, the, see, that that to the, me was the entertaining. first ever match was Phil Mickelson versus Tiger Woods. Yeah, like and then remember they were supposed to be betting holes. Yeah, like that's cool. And then you throw in like a Rogers or a Tom Brady, uh, etc. That's to me is Patrick entertaining. Mahomes and Josh Allen were invited yeah, to it. Like I like that. See, that's I would, cool. I would actually prefer to watch like a golf all star totally. skills challenge where totally. those guys just go out and hit balls and. Because, like, you can go and watch, if you ever turn on the Golf Channel, like, they'll have extra programming where it's, like, insert name of a senior tour or PGA tour professional, Mm -hmm. and they give, like, a 30-minute episode on tips. Maybe it's chipping or something on putting, but it's, like... Damn, these guys are so good. Yeah, I see. That's entertaining to me. And then you get like the smack talk out there, like when Brady and Rogers were talking smack, and then you had you know the golfers talking smack. And dude, golf has the most biggest opportunity to have the coolest like all star competition because those guys and those skill is so unbelievable. Well, we do have some golf picks today for we the do. Razor's Edge, and it is a very interesting mm. interesting event because it's the Scottish Open which is the week before the British Open. It's played, obviously, in yeah, Scotland. Yeah. And it's a link style course, which is most of the time what the British Open is played on. But it's got a little bit of a different flavor. So you know how normally, depending on the type of tournament, you can have a, you know 156 golfers to 140 golfers out there competing? Yeah. This one, from my readings... It's going to be a split field. 75 PGA Tour players, 75 DP World Tours, a.k.a. the former European really? Tour. So it's uh, it's going to be a mix of both because I guess the Scottish Open now has been played at the same course with PGA players participating for four years. But I believe it was the second time now that they're going to have an even DP World Tour, PGA Tour split for number of players. Yeah. Well, all right, cool. We'll get the Razor's Edge, 650, 850. We'll get the Rowdy's Golf Picks. We'll get the phone call one second. Our guy, uh, BJ, Brad, says, does the MLB All-Star game mean anything anymore? I know it used to for home field advantage for the World Series. It means absolutely nothing besides uh, getting more money in your pocket if you uh, make an appearance and being a little flashy like Devin Williams with his cool cleats. We were talking like, you know, All-Stars. Wisco Chad called in saying like, you know, uh, who are these guys essentially? And you found a, I don't even know what it is. I haven't seen it. You found a poll. Tell the folks what it is and then read it off for me, would you? Yeah, so it was, they were polling United States of America fans. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. fans on who their favorite big league players were. And I was shocked reading the list. So here are MLB's most popular players among U.S. Major League Baseball fans. Can you name the top three? This was, and I should state, this was taken in March of 2023. So basically, spring training of this year. Shohei Otani, is he top three? He is not. Japan would be number one. Is Mike Trout there? He is not. Aaron Judge. He is number one. Okay. Aaron Judge is number one for favorite players of United States fans. <sighs> you, Freddie you Freeman? Will, you will never guess the other two. Freddie Freeman, nope. Number two, you're talking about time that's gone past. I used to really like this guy. Former Triple Crown winner, Miguel Cabrera, number two. What? This isn't 2012, man. Miggy? He is number two. And this is recently. This was March of 2023. Now, that this poll could be 
10-year-old kids. This poll could oh. be 70-year-old adults. This poll could be 35-year-old adults. Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera was an absolute stud. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. From early 2000s until about mid-2010s. Yeah. But Miguel Cabrera is an absolute shell of yeah. what he was even the last few years. No offense to 40-year-olds, but he's 40 years old. Number three, Clayton Kershaw. I can see that. Rounding out your top five, number four, Mike Trout. Number five, Mookie Betts. Hilarious that arguably the best player in baseball for the past, oh, probably roughly decade has been Mike Trout, yeah. and he can't even he can't even crack the top three. Wow. He comes in at number four. Mookie Betts, an MVP, comes in at number five. Bryce Harper, number yeah, I can six. See Bryce, yeah. Justin Verlander, seven. Vlad Jr., eight. Okay. This one surprised the hell out of me. Joey Votto, nine. I felt always felt like Joey Votto was like an underappreciated, underrated player that was like really good. But now you he's kind of like, like he's kind of like Mc, Miggy. Yeah. He's closing it on 40. And he hasn't been healthy and or that good for at least a few years now. I um I still can't believe Miguel Cabrera is is what number two? Yeah. Wow. Max Scherzer. Yeah. That, okay, I can see that. He comes in at number ten. Manny Machado eleven. Who likes Manny Machado? Anthony Rizzo twelve. You think that's because he's uh. Got out of got out of Chicago. I mean, what major market? Major market. Jacob Degrom, thirteen. He, I mean, he's been off. I know he's good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, when he's healthy, he, he's good. Is, but he he's been off injured. I mean, he's been on the IL for most of the season with the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, this one shocked the hell out of me. Steven Strasburg. What? I don't think he's legitimately pitched since like COVID. No, yeah. What? No. Yeah. What has he even done? You have Jose Ramirez. He a, comes in at 15. Is there a brewer even on the top? Kyle 15? Schwarber, 16. Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt, 17. Are, you know, all timeless names. You know. Jose Abreu, 18. Chris Bryant, 19. Cody Bellinger, 20. Ronald Acuna Jr., 21. By the way, he's running away with the NL MVP. Yeah, he's balling. Giancarlo Stanton, a.k.a. Mike Stanton. <laughs> 22, Julio Rodriguez, 23, Freddie Freeman, 24, Pete Alonzo, 25, Shohei Otani was not in the top 25. What? Is, a, is there a more? Does it go past 25? No, nope, that was there? the list. The top, t- top 25 favorite MLB players from U.S. fans. Now, we just got a message, and it's funny because Rowdy has a, a cool topic about this. Well, I don't know if it's cool. It'll be my, my hair pulling. I just got a message from the worst Brewers fan. He goes, what? Where's Jesse Winker on the list? Yeah, so there's no Brewer on the list. I'm actually kind of surprised that Christian Yelich, when you think about Cody Bellinger's on that list. Now, yeah. I get Cody Bellinger went from like Anthony Rizzo, major market LA to major market in Chicago. Yeah. But Yelly has been better than belly and Yelly won the MVP in 18. Obviously belly stole it right off his freaking hand yep. or his, his what is knee. that in, uh, in um, miracle stole the ring right off his finger <laughs> in 2019. Cause he hurt his knee and Bellinger has arguably been worse than Yelly. Now, both are having big comeback seasons this year, but I would still say that Yelly has been overall better in 2018 and 2019. Oh, so Yelly should have been an all-star yeah, this year. Even, even though they split MVPs, Yelly was better in 18 and 19, and he's been better since they've both stunk. Yelly should have been an all-star. Bellinger's actually been really good this year, too, but I agree. Yelly has been better than Belly even this year, so I don't get how he can even be that high on that list, especially since sucking for the most part since 2019. But I just thought it was crazy that the best player the last decade comes in fourth with Mike Trout, and arguably the best player the last two years isn't in the top 25. Yeah, it's, it's wild. And so you were gone last week, and it was kind of the end of – you know, the major league baseball first half slate. 
Mm-hmm. And I was watching some MLB Network, and I was watching some Angels games because a lot of times they like to put on Otani and Trout. Yeah. You know, late night West Trout Coast hits three RBIs. Show you Otani goes seven innings, hits two home runs, and the Angels lose. You know those panels behind home plate yeah. that normally have like insert, like you know, insurance or whatever sure. company that's advertising. One call, that's all. I kid you not. For the Los Angeles Angels when they were playing at home. One of those advertisement boards behind home play, because, you know, there's always two. One was always Japanese. Yeah, I mean. The other was an American company, and then they would flip-flop where an American company would go on the left side and the Japanese would be moved to the right side. But there was always, and I can't read it. I know it's in Japanese because it said Japan. I could read that, and it was, you know, it looked like, Japanese or Asian characters. Yeah. They're they're getting advertising money from some company in Japan. Well, it's like when Giannis Antetokounmpo the got when Giannis Antetokounmpo was on his rise, the Milwaukee Bucks ha- over ha- I think it was half or literally over half of their merchandise sales were overseas because of Giannis. Just think, I mean Shohei Otani is a god uh when he walks around in Japan. Just think of the major money that the Angels get from Japan. It's got to be just it's Well, not only I would love to know breakdown between Americans and Japanese not um, only would they viewership. Be, would be, be gaining tons of online clicks from the Japanese oh, yeah. market, but obviously, you know, they have a ton of Japanese media that follow him because he's such a big sensation. But that's been going on since, you know, the big sensations from Japan have come over to Major League Baseball. Yeah. But it's even bigger. I mean... Think about the World Baseball Classic and how all of that viewing was popping off. And you had the final out of the World Baseball Classic, Japan versus the U.S., the number two and the number three favorite teams only behind the Dominican who were disappointing. It was Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout Mm. to end the World Baseball Classic. And I think the USA versus Japan was like the most watched World Baseball Classic game ever. So it's exactly like Giannis. But it's baseball with Shohei Otani, and it's just like, man, I I can't believe that. I had never seen, I guess, or had paid attention where I noticed it, that other countries were advertising oh, in yeah. the United States of America oh, yeah. because of Shohei Otani. Like, I get the buzz. I get the, the clicks online. I get the viewing. But That's money. now I guess with the viewing comes the hell. We're a company in Japan. There's so many people in Japan that yeah. are streaming these yeah. games yeah. that uh, we're going to throw our own money into advertising behind the plate because Shohei Otani is hitting third today or Shohei Otani will be pitching six innings. No, I don't. I'm trying to find the numbers on this, but I would almost guarantee that more people in Japan watch Angels games than more people in America. And I bet you it's, it's not even close. Well, I would say the one thing that the angels have going for to, them find, is, is Shohei that Otani? well they're in LA yeah, yes like so that's a huge market it's not like I would be more willing to take your side of the bet if it was like Milwaukee or Kansas City <laughs> but Los Angeles is huge now obviously it's a Dodger town it's not an angels town but uh Los Angeles for I'm trying to find this hard Los Angeles for a population is almost 3.9 million people now let's see. Now go look just Tokyo. Japan's population, one almost 126 million. I mean, Tokyo alone is 13.96 yeah. million. Now, obviously, LA is one of the bigger markets for sports, mm-hmm. but they share it with the Dodgers, and they're not the more popular team. No. They're they're like the Clippers no. versus the Lakers. They're, they're the, I guess with Shohei Otani, you would say they're the new money. The Dodgers <laughs> are the old money. Yeah. The Lakers are the old money. I'm trying to find viewership stats. It's it's hard. I Man, I'm trying to figure it out. We'll, we'll get to it. But, but yeah, yeah, it has to be off the charts for, for a Japanese company to want to spend money. And oh, I, yeah. I'm sure it's a pretty penny, again, in L.A. for 
games with the Angels and Dodgers. I found one Reddit thread about what you were talking about, the Japanese advertisements for Angels games. Uh, this Reddit user had said, I was counting, been counting for a lot of games. Almost 50% of their advertisements yeah. are for it Japanese was, companies. It was the Dodgers and the Angels because they were playing a little weird series where they actually didn't play on Sunday the last day before the All-Star mm-hmm. break. And every other ad on that uh, rolling advertisement behind the plate was Japanese, the yeah. other American, and then the Japanese would go from the left to the right side and back and forth. Yeah, it was literally about 50% from what I noticed in that one Dodger-Angels game. When did Shoya Tani get in the Angels? Like 2018? That's probably somewhere in there. So uh, I found this 2018-2019 an article here. They said ticket prices for the Angels when Shohei Otani got there increased by 21%, and the most page clicks or where they came from was customers in Japan. Uh, Let's see here. Television ratings have tripled for the Angels since they got Shohei Otani. 2018 was his first year with the Angels. So they're... They went 21% increase on tickets, and most of them coming from Japan. Their television ratings ratings tripled when Shohei Otani, and that was in 2018. Now the dude is literally a god amongst boys, amongst men. So just imagine what it is now. Yeah, in 2018, Shohei Otani won Rookie of the Year, and then, you know, 19 kind of was what he was, and then 20 hit, so obviously that was a shortened COVID season. But since then, 2021, All-Star, MVP, and also the Silver Slugger. 2022, All-Star, finished fourth in Cy Young voting, second in MVP voting. And then obviously this year, he is an All-Star and right now is the odds-on favorite for the AL MVP. Now for Shohei Otani, Rowdy, um, what was I reading yesterday? A player thinking he's going to get a six hundred million dollar deal. I don't know about that. That's what I was reading from. Um, that feels pretty high. Th- that's what I said. Uh, show him half a million, or sorry, oh, half of a billion yeah. sounds like it could be a thing. Six hundred million seems like a little high. Yeah, here we go. Uh, one agent predicted Otani will sign a twelve-year, six hundred million dollar deal. Um, he's, he's twenty-eight. Yeah. He also sells a lot of merchandise. I get it, but I mean, a, a 12 year deal for a guy that's 28, that's 40. This is what an agent says uh, 500, they're thinking 600 million for a Shohei. That's Otani. $50 million a year. <laughs> and now, Wild. granted, what, Mike Trout signed the biggest contract where it was over $420 million over a longer span of time, kind of like that, but the excuse me, highest paid player per year is I think Scherzer and Scherzer Verlander, one of the two, and they're in the the low 40s. So that would even be exceeding them who are on short-term deals at roughly 40, 41 million a year by almost, what, 20%. Mm -hmm. And it's over 12 years. I don't know. 600 million seems high. 500 million. I could see it. This is uh, Salvador Perez and Jordan Romano, both Kansas City, uh, tossed out that Shoyatani were $600 million. Freddie Freeman simply called him a unicorn with a price that can't be quantified. A couple agents said they could see upwards of $600 million, a 12-year deal for Shoyatani. That is just in-freaking-sane. We'll see what happens. But my God, if you have that cash cow, milk it for all it's worth. I just love because the Angels claim that they're going to sign him at the end of the year because, see, this is the last year of his contract. Angels claim they're going to sign him. They still have about a month to trade him. And on top of that, there are already rumors because he was saying how he, he really enjoys the city of Seattle and he's been there a couple times on vacation and now it's the All-Star game that maybe he could be interested in, in Seattle. Or how about the crosstown rival, the Dodgers, being interested because supposedly there are rumors that the Dodgers are going to offer a pretty penny for Shohei to come across the city. Hey, speaking of L.A., uh, the Los Angeles Times also saying they could throw $600 million at Shohei Otani. <laughs> wow. There's an update on a story from NBA Summer League. I was out in Las Vegas. I missed it by a day and a half. Britney Spears got slapped backhanded in the face by Victor Wembiana, Wemby's security team. It was a big to-do out there right by Catch Restaurant in Las Vegas in Aria Hotel. Uh, Wemby said that Britney grabbed him 
if you watch the video, she like lightly tapped him on the shoulder, and then she just got backhanded by a security guard. Later, apologized like five minutes later. Well, if you know anything about Britney Spears, uh, she's out of that conservation, uh, whatever the thing, the hell that thing was, where her dad and parents are ever controlling her life. If you follow Britney Spears on Instagram, it is a wild ride. She is cuckoo bananas. Like, it is it is nuttier than squirrel turds. Well, Rowdy, Britney Spears has addressed the media, well, her Instagram account, about the slap that was. Hi, so I want to share with you guys an incident that happened in Vegas that a lot of people dressing it. Um, saying that Brit- apparently Britney Spears like to swear in here. I deserve to be smacked. Security was doing their job and protecting their client. Um, I've been with the most famous people in the world in sync at one time. <laughs> I've been with the most famous people in the world, Rowdy, in sync at one time. Uh, okay. Ah. Client. Um, I've been with the most famous people in the world in sync at one time. Girls would like literally throw themselves at them on my way into the place. Actually, I was knocked down by like three 12 year olds. <laughs> okay. And to get my picture, my security not one time touched them or even came near them. No, no. Um, point being is. Um, I didn't appreciate the people saying that I deserve to be hit. I don't think anyone's saying Britney Spears deserved to be hit. I just... Because no woman ever deserves to be hit. I mean, hit. we can all agree on that. I simply tapped him on the back and I was backhanded, hit my face, came back on the floor. My best friend picked me up and held me. And um, I did get an apology um, at my table 30 minutes later. Ooh, 30 minutes um, later. But sorry. I have yet to receive a public apology. Oh, there it is. The Britney Spears has spoke on the Wemby security guard hit slapping situation. Uh, this this is literally like the most biggest story out of NBA Summer League. <laughs> I like it. I've been with many famous people in sync at one time, and 12-year-old girls were pushing me down, and my security team never hit them. There you go. Well, I think that explains a lot of it, is you were with NSYNC, so a lot of the security would have been 12-year-old girls, and then you would have had other little kids that were listening to pop music at that time. So, yes, probably the 35-year-old, 6'5", 260-pound mountain of a security guard probably wasn't going to go pummel a 12-year-old child. No, no. Now, the, the security guard, if you watch it for the Britney Spears fiasco, he didn't even look back. He just, like, extended his hand, and obviously no one deserved to be getting hit. There were no one saying that you deserve to be hit, Britney Spears. Uh, but came back and hit her in the face of the backhand, apologized 30 minutes later. This She literally just tapped Wemby on the shoulder. It was a, quite the fiasco. So there's the update to the story. Britney Spears has not gotten a public apology, but did get one face-to-face 30 minutes after it happened at Catch. In Aria of Las Vegas. There you go. All right, Brody, the Milwaukee Bucks, though. Uh, here's another uh, interesting storyline. When I say the name David Duke Jr., what do you think of? Not the basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets, but I, I caught that last night watching the game, it, and he was having a hell of a game. Here's the headline. David Duke Jr. teed up for taunting after thunderous alley-oop. We're not talking about the Grand Wizard. No, no. David Duke Jr. plays for the Brooklyn Nets in Summer League. I just had to say, what a what a headline. David Duke Jr. teed up for taunting. And if you stop there, you're like, okay, wow, tell me more. What's going on here? That was after a thunderous alley-oop dunk. David Duke Jr., by the way, uh, I do believe he was the leading scorer. Yeah, he was. 24 points for the Brooklyn Nets as the Nets beat the Bucks, the hand the Bucks their first loss the summer league action, uh, ninety two to seventy one. It was not good for the Bucks. Their highest scorer was Livingston. Their draft pick, uh, new draft pick, nine points. Oh, I'm sorry, Wigington, eleven points. Livingston, nine points. And they used yeah, one. Bochamp, not a good game. Only oh, had five shots, missed every one, didn't make a single thing. But yeah, you look at what we saw. You had Livingston. You had Bochamp. Jackson, so two of your three draft picks. Bochamp, who was a draft pick recently. Uh, Alex Green, who was the shooter at the end of the bench. And then Wigington, who was a two-way player. That was your starting five. They used 14 players off the bench yesterday. 14! I mean, outside of that, though, 
like that the starting five are guys that you know because they were the end of the bench, a two way player, a draft pick. You look at the bench though, and I I've watched two out of the three summer league games now. Drew Timmy is a name you know, and yeah. it was a guy they drafted. Obviously, Gonzaga product, handlebar mustache. Two points. But then you look at some of the other guys that have played. Actually, uh, the Gortman guy, he only played five minutes. <laughs> he, from what I've watched in two games, he's played all right. Or, like, you look at uh, Cook. Cook has played all right in the games that I've played. But other than that, it's like these are a bunch of nobodies yeah. or guys that most people would never hear of, and they're not going to make the NBA. But I think uh, Cook, I think I heard Cook was like a fringe NBA player, like a two-way type player in the past as well. So makes sense while he was playing pretty well when he got minutes. But, yeah, the Bucks might have played themselves out of a little bit of uh, – incentive here because they were undefeated now they have one game left which is actually on thursday but yeah the top really? four teams advance to a little playoff and then obviously winners are compensated with extra money but the yeah, you it, need wins and points yeah so it comes down to the four best teams so if you go four and oh you're gonna go but if you don't go four and oh then it's probably going to come down to the uh the point, point differential, differential and, and the, the bucks are two and one but they have a negative point differential. Yeah, it's not good. Because they got hammered by 21 last night. Okay, on a player who was used last night for the Milwaukee Bucks, do you think this is... His name is Vin Baker Jr. Yeah, he got that's a technical. Vin, that's, that's, Vin, that's Vin Baker's son? Correct. Vin Baker Jr. He had zero... His stat lines was zero across the board besides one steal... And two personal fouls, one of them being a T. Yeah, so the funny part is actually on the broadcast. It's Vin they Baker's brought, son. They brought up both Vin Baker Jr. and Alan Griffin because it was the two sons. Yeah. And, I mean, combined, I think they got about five minutes a run. <laughs> yeah, Vin Baker Jr. got 11, ooh, uh, six minutes. And Griffin, oh, yeah, three. 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 So there was a funny incident, and... It actually has to do with Vin Baker Jr. <laughs> so this Nate Perkins, who they were they were laughing because for some reason one of the guys on the broadcast knew this guy because he played at like Nate Perkins got one minute yesterday. Yeah, so this is the funny part. Nate Perkins played at the College of Columbia. <laughs> and the guy's like, Oh, he played at like Columbia College. He's like, No, 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 no. no. The, college the College of Columbia. Columbia. It's not like the small Ivy League school. <laughs> it was the College <laughs> of Columbia. And so they were laughing and this Perkins comes in and him and Vin Baker kind of get into it a little bit. And uh, he keeps chirping and they both got a technical and then there was another little foul and then he gets teed up again for saying stuff so this guy was literally on the court for less than one minute and he had two technical fouls and was ejected from the game and he only got into the game with like three minutes left he had to make a count dude yeah perkins one minute no stats one turnover minus he was a minus two two Technical fouls and ejected, <laughs> and the, the guy on the broadcast was laughing. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, he always was a guy that liked to talk a lot when he was in college, but he never really got ejected like this, and he literally got ejected within a minute. So then the other guy, the other commentator that was more of like the host was because the the guy that had known him or where he had played because it was something like he had known a guy that played there a coach there or something like that that's yeah. why he, he knew of who this was <laughs> and he was more of the color the guy that was doing more of the play-by-play He's like, well, we're going to have to look up and, and get our fact checkers to see if this is the quickest anybody has ever fouled out the of dude, a game. Hey, the dude probably had a, had a hot streak going on one of the poker tables in Las Vegas. He's like, I got to get out of here, man. I got to continue riding the hot hand. So they found it. It wasn't falling out by technical fouls, but it was actual NBA. Yeah. The actual NBA season, a guy fouled out in about two and a half to three minutes Oof. in regular NBA season. And that was because he was sent in on purpose to, to follow Dennis Rodman before the hack-a-shack. It was a hacker Rodman, and he came up and picked up his five <laughs> in two and a half minutes and was out of there. Hell yeah. But that didn't even say the technical fouls because yeah. 
technically, technically, he had two technical fouls instead of picking up personal fouls to actually foul out. He was ejected. So this guy liked to talk smack. Um, yeah, at the co- the College of Columbia. Like, man, you're so stupid. You probably thought you got into Columbia College. I said you're in the College of Columbia, you dumbass. What'd you say? But yeah, the guy literally came in and went up and down the court like once or twice, and then he was literally ejected. <laughs> And I'm telling like, you, man, you know, if you're if you're coming out of the College of Columbia, you're probably not highly touted to begin Dude. with. So you you probably have to completely ball out for any chance. And the fact that you get four games and the third game you got to play, you got in for one minute and got ejected. I'm telling you, dude, he probably had a heater going on like the the craps table or something like he had to go and continue. Again. Well, I hope he took that sixty five hundred from the two weeks that he got and really <laughs> let invested it, ride. it well on the poker. You got to let it ride. Tables. Uh, we got just got a message from the worst Brewers fan. He goes, how is Johnny Davis doing? He's on the roster for the Wizards. Uh, for the summer league. Well, yesterday, Roars Brewers fan, Johnny Davis played 27 minutes, 4 of 15 shooting for 12 points, minus 11, the plus minus on the court. I did Google Johnny Davis summer league. Here's the two articles that popped up. 20 hours ago, Johnny Davis impressing early at NBA summer league. Uh, here's another article. One day ago, Johnny Davis needs to do better in summer league. So which one is it? So <laughs> I know which we, one is it? I know we talked about this too, but one of the guys that is well known on the the Bucks Summer League is Taco Fall, the seven foot six guy out of Central Florida, wingspan eight three, which he's known for being tall, and he was all right in yeah, college. He wasn't. Tall. He was he was decent. He wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. Wasn't like some of those tall dudes that you see that are so uncoordinated. He's actually when he's played. He's played okay. Now, you know that all the guys no, are going to get Yeah. He like if if I had to take like the top 6 guys off the summer league that from my own eyes how they've played, he might make the top 6, 7 or 8 out of the 20 selected, <laughs> but then you watch him out there playing and you're like, "Okay, well he's really long and lanky." No crap. He's 7'6", yeah. 8'4" wingspan. Okay. Of course he's lanky. We get it. You can tell that he just isn't is it the most fleet of foot? No. It's a little slower. It's like, you know, you see those really tall guys. It's like when a baby fawn or a baby giraffe is first born. They're like learning how to walk. When you're like that big, you, I don't think you ever truly learn how to walk and run. You just happen to be that tall. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think the uh, the guys we can take away from the NBA Summer League is basically their starters. Yeah. Livingston, a draft pick. Jackson Jr. has actually been kind of like that uh, guy that's athletic, plays defense, and can rebound, but he's not like some guy that's going to put up 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. Livingston and Jackson, Bochamp, Alex Green, Wigington, that's your five. Uh, unfortunately, I think for the other 16 or 17, whatever they had. I don't think they have a shot of ever sniffing no. the NBA. This is the most action they'll get as Las Vegas Summer League, the 14 they used off the bench. You, you might be able to talk me into two or three that could be maybe two-way contract guys if they played really, really well. But I think it's about your starting five. And, hey, that's why they're starting. That's, yeah, that's what it is. And now we'll see what happens. In, God, uh, I couldn't get over make it. The, playoffs. the first half was competitive. It was back and forth. The Bucks lost the game by 21, and they got outscored 35 to nine That's in the third quarter. Not good. Hello. Oh, Rob Manford, you silly man, you. Baseball coming to uh, I don't know, like a come to Jesus moment about a bunch of stuff, Rowdy. Over the past few days, uh, talking about expansion, talking about sticky stuff, talking about balls, talking about pitch clocks. Where do you want to start, brother? I think we start with probably the most straightforward um, kind of just funny things. Sticky balls. And I was going to say probably I would go with the fact that the Major League Baseball Players Association said that they would be all right with shortening the 162-game season, (laughs) but if they didn't lose pay and actually got a pay increase... The American dream. Work as little as yeah. possible and get paid more. We're okay with shortening the season if we have to work less and get paid more. Okay, cool. That's, sounds amazing. You know I, I want to do a two-hour show and get paid more. Yeah, what do you think if we went to our bosses to negotiate and said, you know what, let's actually do a four-day show, or a four-days-a-week show instead of five, and, less and you'll pay us more? I think it would tell us to 
pack our things up and go. <laughs> what? Like, what the hell was that? I wouldn't mind a shorter baseball season. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but if they want to, it was like when Blake Snell uh, during COVID, he goes, well, you know, uh, we're playing a 60 game regular season. Aha. I'm not going to sacrifice my health for less pay. But if you pay me my full salary during a 60 game regular season, I'll gladly play. It's like, yeah. okay, so it's not about your health. It's yeah, about just yeah. a donkey. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not good on the 2020 rabbit hole, but <clears throat> expose a lot of dummies. Anyways. Well, then I thought it was an, another interesting thing was the fact that I think it's like the worst kept secret ever that the Oakland athletics are probably going to be moving to oh, yeah. Vegas. Oh yeah. They already had those beautiful, you know, sketches of what it could look like of, of their stadium. Very palatial. But yet they still haven't signed a deal or even been in talks on signing a so, deal to play after their contract runs out in Oakland. The Nevada governor did approve a $380 million public funding designed to help construct a new ballpark. I think that's where it's at right now. So th- that was approved last month. Other than that... We're still at a standstill there, Rowdy. And also, they say the Rays, uh, the Tampa Rays, are in a dispute, too, with their stadium. Yeah, and that was the other thing. It was Rob Manfred came out and said, you know what? Uh, we're going to focus on the A's and where they're going to be playing. We're going to take care of the Tampa Bay Rays situation. And then, once we get those taken care of, we're going to look to expand. We're going to expand it two teams, two cities. Now, I find that interesting because if you think about it, Right now, there is 30 teams. You have three divisions on each side, so you have five teams a division. Mm-hmm. Where are these extra teams going to go play? Where Obviously, it'll probably correlate with where they're located. Yeah. But remember when the Central had the Astros? Oh, yeah. And the Central had, what was it? Say five teams in their division when there was another one where they, it was like, well, Clearly, that was the tougher division because you had more teams than any other division. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that if they do this and move to 32 teams, do they just move to a four team division? Yeah, I mean, where they have going to be a shakeup, you know, where they have eight four team divisions. Definitely be a shakeup. And then I think it would be easier where you would just say division winners all get playoffs. So the top four teams, each obviously the division, or will they expand the playoffs more? And then they would take, you know, say two wild cards or three, whatever they're going to take, like they do now. Or I think you could completely scrap it and just say, here's a North and a South or an East and a West. And we're going to take the best. How about a legends and the leaders? Yeah. that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring that back. But yeah, maybe they, they kind of scrap it and there is no, there, there is no divisions, or there's only two divisions, and it's kind of a free-for-all, kind of like what the Big Ten sounds like it's going to do in 2024 once USC and UCLA arrives. Yeah. Because how many times have we seen it where it's like, oh, well, unfortunately, Ohio State and Michigan are the two best teams in the Big Ten, but they're not going to play for a shot to, to technically go to the college football playoff in the Big Ten championship game, even though though they they should. Yeah, even though they're the best two teams and they just played the week before and it was a seven-point game. Yeah, even though you should. I don't know. I think think it would only be fair to move it to four-team divisions or to basically just two divisions with everyone in there and you take the top teams or scrap them both. You tell me. What's the difference between the National and American League? Now? Nothing. Exactly. There's no more DH. There's no there's nothing there's no difference. Sorry, there's 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 no lack of a DH. Yeah, it's everything the American the same. League and the NL play by the same rules. Yeah. It's it's the same. What's what's the difference then if they're all thrown into one major league? Now nothing. I guess the all star game would be a little different. AL versus NL would just be the All Stars. It's it's there's nothing. But I mean really? Yeah, once they change that in 2020 and it's been here for good, there's no difference in rules. Yeah. 
We'll see what happens. All right, then also in Major League Baseball. The AL is just red with their logo, and the NL is blue. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, there's, no, there's no difference. Uh, then there's this, Rowdy. Major League Baseball wants to soften the pitch timer before the playoffs, too. See, this is one that I've talked about. We've been about, talking about this all season. And I know we've had Madison Mallard's manager, Donnie Scott, on, and he mentioned how he agreed with it. It's like... There's always one to two, it feels like, per game where it's like they just don't get quite ready to either receive the pitch or make the pitch. And it's like if you just bump that timer up like another five to ten seconds, we wouldn't have any. When the pitch clock first started this season, there was a, a, a figuring out process where it seemed a little disjointed. Now everything's very seamless and smooth. Uh, for the pitch clock, and everyone's like has you know, adapted to it. While players aren't suggesting getting rid of the clock entirely, they're just tweaking it enough to provide a little extra time during high leverage moments. So that includes potentially adding seconds to the clock, uh, approving extra timeouts or disengagements, or any number of ideas uh, that would give the players a quote chance to breathe. Uh, especially in high leverage moments. Yeah, I think if you made the clock from 20 to 25 or to 30 seconds, it's not like it's that much longer where it would be super noticeable, but it still would keep the games relatively quick, like is what everyone's looking for. According to league data, pitch clock violations have decreased over time this season, as we, were, you know, I just said, but Manfred admits it could impact an important game in October. Quote, we don't want a postseason game decided on a violation. We haven't had a game decided this way so far, but I understand it is a possibility. Well, how about uh, Rob Manfred? He's an idiot. We well, he's an idiot, but that's not I, an idiot take. I that's a smart say, take. Just because of principle, because you started this entire year, you finished this entire year the exact same rules the exact same way i don't think that'll happen like it's for continuity and principle purposes like like they've already they've adjusted to it how how many how many of of these games maybe were decided by a a balk or a pitch clock or whatever i don't know i don't have the fat maybe one or two but how many times does it actually come down to one game being the difference between the playoffs? I know in 2017, Brewers missed the playoffs by a game. I know the Brewers won an extra game against yeah. the Cubs to go to the playoffs. It came down to the last game there. But imagine playing 162 games over six months and then changing the rules for the playoffs because all of a sudden those games mean more, which I guess they do, but in the grand scheme of things, grand scheme of things do they really? Because you had to play 162 games. To finally make the postseason. That's why the regular season used to me, used to be able to play a lot of games, 162, 150, whatever you want to say, because it was meaningful. Remember, we talk about the the golden age. Is it now with the Brewers or was it the 80s? Well, in the 80s, you only had two divisions and the top two teams from each division played each other. Winner went to the World Series. Only four teams made the playoffs. So that 162 six months mattered. Now it's like, well, you know, we let eight teams in in 2020. Yeah. I mean, we got a ton of teams in now. It does, The 162 loses no, its luster. everyone lo- and their brother gets in. Yeah, it loses its, a little bit of its luster, and that's the same thing the NBA has ran into. Like, it's like no one cares about the regular season because, like, well, superstars are healthy at the end. They'll probably be at least top four in their league. So they're working on that, and then there is this. Sticky balls. Oh, we say good morning to Grant Bills, too. Hey, Grant Bills. Good morning. What a hey, way to trivia. come in. Sticky got a trivia balls. question for you. You got a trivia question? Yes. How sticky are Rowdy's balls right now? Uh, Baseballs. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, you, you never used sticky stuff back in the day. You're a pure athlete. I would trust you oh. to use sticky stuff. Uh, I think we there was one... We used a, but it was a rosin bag. But that was because yeah. it was it was. Yeah, this is hard. This hardcore yeah. middle, well, this hardcore middle school middle school baseball right here. You better look <laughs> out, brother. But uh, yeah, for do this, you have a trivia for Grant? Because oh, yeah. I know he was big into sports trivia. I'm probably not going to know the answer. Probably should know the you, answer. You and won't. should know the answer. Uh, I probably won't, but that's fine. No, this is good. You'll know it. Okay. Orlando Arcia oh, and Luis Arias are now currently tied for oh, hits in an All Star game. How many do they have? Zero. Yeah, because Orlando yeah, Arcia know, was hitless. What are we? I, I hear you guys obsessing over summer league earlier today. Now we care about who has hits in an All Star game. Obsessing. We have four hours to fill Grand Pills. Oh, I am aware topics. of filling. Four. Dude, yeah. I, don't I just know. wanted. I just wanted six to point out that they they still oh. have the same amount of hits in an All Star game. That's okay. <laughs> hey, what but, about All Star qualifications? We can break it down. Lots. Of, we don't need to. Well, you know. I want to get this out there really quick for sticky we like balls. Being very fine. I bet. 
the MLB is going to experiment with pearl white baseballs yeah. for sticky stuff issues. They've partnered with Dow Chemical. Yeah. Is that what I saw yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Austin and I were talking about that. We're both so confused. Well, here's the thing that doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, since the beginning of time, since roughly 10 years after the Civil War in mm-hmm. the 1800s, <laughs> nice you voice. have played baseball. I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of find my inner uh, narrator uh, narrator voice. You gotta, from, go, you gotta go more like um, uh, old school. Extra, extra, read all about it. Major League Baseball is using sticky balls. That's pretty good. I, I was going Pearl for White, the, the rookie, the narrator from the rookie when they when they intro the movie and they were talking uh-huh. about people in Texas and they played baseball. Men, ben Kenny men would probably men. be able to help me out. When men were men. His, his favorite movie. Ben Kenny can't talk like a man. But, what are you talking about? Eh, that's what he'd say. Back, <laughs> back no ten years that. after the Civil War when they started playing baseball. Ten years after the Civil War when they started playing baseball. These guys, they were rubbing the balls down. They were using the same ball probably game after game after game until it got lost or broken. Uh-huh. They were using pine tar, dirt, Little sand, jalapeno in the nose, anything tobacco, anything that could help. You think these people Little from under cheese. Clean, had clean hands? No. Oh, come no, on. They're, they're farmers. Yeah. They had dirt under the nails. They had to get up to tend the cattle in the morning before coming to the ballpark. You know what happens? Ballpark. I bet you I bet you right now, Corbin Burns or uh, insert any pitcher out there, they're getting their manicures. They used to have they're the spit ball. Uh, their nails all trimmed. If I got a hangnail. I can't pitch, Skip. They uh, used back to, then? They used to throw a spitball where they would spit on the ball. I just milked a freaking cow, bailed some hay, went out there and tilled my garden, and now I'm pitching a damn ball. Tax? A year or two after fighting for country or yeah. the Confederacy. Take it down the South. Tacks and razor blades were in gloves to loosen up, the, to soften up the ball, to so, so like, are you are you pro doctoring baseballs? Where are you going? I with don't this? know why all of a sudden they're saying we're teaming with this for sticky stuff when guys have been using it the whole time, but you've been outlawing it. Well, it's like weed, right? It's like the, oh. what the government has figured out with weed. It's like, well, still not federally illegal, by the way. True, but a lot of states are like, well, it's get, it's happening anyways. Let's control it. Hey, right? I was let's just get in a Vegas. Nice sponsorship with that. Let's. Get I was nice just in Vegas. You couldn't buy weed unless you had straight cash, homie. Really? Yep, I know from experience. Well, Weird. It's like it's same funny. way to go with my some places. Same don't way to take go cash. around to Wisconsin too. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't buy with card for the most part. In you really in can't. Either. You really can't go to your dealer and be like, "Hey, do you got Venmo?" Yeah. Oh, so actually, I I I probably misspoke there. PayPal. Some, some yeah. do. Some. You have a guy serving time in federal prison. <laughs> Real professionals. For yeah. doctoring baseballs with the Angels. Now, there also might be some pill stuff that might be yeah, somewhat I think the pill connected. stuff was in there, too. It was probably the worst of, of, but of his this guy was kicked out of baseball. Remember, he was the one that helped Garrett Cole come up with the, yeah, the rosin he and took, he'd heat it. It's like he was taking, cooking crack. Yeah. He took a, a soda can and he lit it on fire. Like, I got, like, jail time. And he put in, like, three, four substances in it. Mm-hmm. And then he would sell it to the other players around the yeah, league. Yeah, he got like blackballed from the league, and I think like threatened with jail time. And now the league goes, "Hey, we're gonna look into some sticky baseballs." Because, That's what I'm uh, saying. It's just like weed. It's just like the legalization of weed. But also, I, like maybe I understand where baseball is coming from. It's like, well, these guys need some sort of grip. Remember Tyler Glass now last year when he had to make that start with no sticky substances, and he spoke with the media after. He's like, "My arm has never hurt this bad." Like, it was hard on this. So, I think baseball's willing to meet him halfway. Well, they just want to do it remember specifically. When they were doing the checks, and Garrett Cole's all pissed off. He's like, This baseball could come up my hand. I could kill someone with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back when <laughs> men were men, they were burning <laughs> rosin in pop cans. Yeah. yeah. Not having baseballs made specially for them. Five pitchers been suspended for 10 games uh, each since Major League Baseball began his crackdown on the band grip. Who's still- the guy that just threw the perfect game? Uh,. Domingo Armand. Dallas Braden. Oh, the other one. Domingo Armand. He got suspended his last start. He was like, this is the stickiest baseball I've ever seen. You're suspended. Well, I I just like how you have these guys that use rosin, and then they put uh, another, like, uh, liquid substance on their hands so it's even stickier, and baseball umps are like, okay, well, that's fine. Well, actually, let me feel this ball. Actually, this is too sticky. What scale are we going off of? Your opinion on what's yeah, the opinion. like i wish that i could get this bent out of shape about the dow chemical headline because i would have loved to get angry about this and fill an hour on the bill michael show yesterday with it but austin and i were like huh that's interesting it'd be a pearl a my pure favorite, white baseball by dow chemical my pure favorite cheater of all white. time when you're talking about doctoring baseballs has got to be michael pineda oh yeah oh, that with the, had, on his he, neck he i believe michael 
uh, Michael Pineda is from the Dominican. So he is darker complected, yet he had the darkest spot of, I don't even know the substance, but it was probably pine tar or something on his neck. It was so noticeable. From the creators of napalm in the jungles of Vietnam, Dow will now bring you baseballs, yeah. striking out hitters across America. Hey, it's like Lockheed and Martin. They were just bombing. Yeah. They were just bombing like innocent families in the Middle East, and they were just marching in one of the, the pride parades. It's yeah. like, it's, hey, we strapped the rainbow on our bomb. We're cool. Roger, we're Roger Goodell's going to give him a call. Like, can you design a new goalpost for My us, My favorite cheater of all time, Eddie Harris. A little, okay. va- little Vagisil, a little jalapeno in the nose. Whatever you can find a little snot so with Dow you Chemical are we going so <laughs> speaking of Ben Kenny and his Phillies they're having a lot of issues with players that used to play in the old stadium with the AstroTurf having an unreal amount of cancer yeah, for the, the normal percentage of people ah. that get cancer and they think it's from the artificial turf yeah, and is. the AstroTurf cuz all these Phillies are like passing away with it yeah are we going to have like a lawsuit in the future that all these guys that were using the Dow sure chemical sticky ball? Oh, I'm sure Dow. I mean, Dow probably knows what they're doing. I'm sure it was FDA approved. Was yeah, all but good. I'm sure it was approved back in the. By the way, all back they, in the day with the Philly Stadium. I think the WHO. I mean, they're not the savers individuals Ooh. either. But they're exactly Mike, not Mike Jones. But. They just, uh, what's the chemical in like diet soda, the aspartame or whatever? Mm. That's a carcinogenic now. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've known that for like my whole life. I don't know why people are just onto it now. But yeah, they just said that's a carcinogenic, gives you cancer. But it's FDA approved.